Are Mormons Christians? Is Mormonism just another denomination within Christianity? We're going to talk about that today and a lot more on BibleStudyPodcast.org starting now. Hello and welcome everybody to BibleStudyPodcast.org. I'm your host, Toby Logsdon, and today is Wednesday, October the 17th. And as promised, last week we had our question and answer podcast. This week we're going back into Mormonism, and we're going to continue where we left off a couple weeks ago, looking at the differences between Christianity and Mormonism. Of course, we're going to be talking about the fundamental differences, the differences in our beliefs and their beliefs, and we're going to uh, hopefully lead this into next week's lesson, which will teach us how to reach Mormons. And of course, my prayer is that this will be a blessing to you and that, that you'll enjoy this and learn from it and be able to do just that, that you'll be able to reach Mormons with the real gospel after we're done with this study. I want to uh, make a, a quick announcement. I now have a recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org. If you go to BibleStudyPodcast.org, uh, scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side, and you'll see uh, so you'll see it under Pages. You'll see a thing that's a, a little box that says Pages, and under there it says Recommended Reading. And uh, I've got about two and a half pages of, of recommended books. So I've had a few requests from you guys for, you know, what books you can, can read for, for learning some philosophy or learning some theology. And I've compiled a list and they are in order. Those are the, that's the order that I would recommend uh, those books to be read in. I mean, there are more books there than you'll probably want to read, but you know, there'll be something on there that, uh, that you like. And I, I've really tried to have kind of a diverse collection of, of books on there that have really, you know, influenced me and things that have, have uh, helped shape my thinking and my theology. So, um, you know, go ahead and go on over and check it out. You know, and if you like any of those books, you can order it just by, uh, just directly off of our website, BibleStudyPodcast.org. And, uh, you know, I just hope that that's a blessing to you guys. And, you know, kind of like a, a dental hygienist, my goal is uh, to become obsolete, to become useless. If I can teach you guys what I've already learned, then you won't need me anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. You know, so go ahead and feel free to, to render me totally useless. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but really, check it out. It, I, think you'll, uh, I think you'll like some of the books on there. Uh, I did get in touch with Justin, and Justin is going to be doing his podcast this Friday. He just got his computer up and running, uh, I think it was yesterday, Tuesday, when I finally heard back from him. And uh, so that's that's going to be starting up again this coming Friday. But tomorrow, I'm going to be doing something special for you guys. A couple people, Mike and Janet, had asked that I do a podcast covering my perspective on Halloween. Should a Christian celebrate Halloween or, you know, what are we supposed to do with that? And uh, so, you know, I thought I'd do something special for you guys because we don't have a Galatians sermon for this week to put up. So tomorrow I'm going to be putting up, you know, just a kind of a short podcast. I don't even think it should take more than 10 minutes to let you guys know what my view of, of Halloween is and, and whether Christians should be celebrating Halloween. So hopefully that'll be something that you guys enjoy and hopefully it's relevant to you guys. Of course, I always want to keep this ministry relevant for all of you. So 
Anyway, without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, and start with our lesson today. We're talking about the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. And, of course, when you, when you talk about what the doctrines are, what the beliefs are, I think you have to start with the source of authority. Now, for Christianity, of course, the Bible is the final authority. All the books contained in the Bible were written either by prophets, apostles, or uh, affiliates of the apostles, people who worked very closely with or under the apostles. You know, once the once the apostle John completed the book of Revelation, the canon, uh, that is the, the collection of books, was closed since there were no longer any living apostles. Of course, the book of Revelation was written sometime around uh, 90 AD, and uh, it's believed that John died fairly soon thereafter. So the Bible for Christianity is the final authority, and we have good reason to believe that the books of the Bible were inspired by God, and that they were put in there for a reason. And of course, you can refer back to some of our other podcasts we've done um, examining the authority of Scripture and talking about who um, who compiled the Bible, and that was uh, in our Worldview podcast series. So you can go back and listen to that if you need reference to that. Mormonism, on the other hand, the Mormon church bases its beliefs, its doctrines on the Book of Mormon, which as we talked about a couple weeks ago, was written by Joseph Smith, who claimed to have translated these uh, these gold plates that he found in the ground. Uh, the, there was some Egyptian writing on them, and he translated those into English, and that's where we got the Book of Mormon. And in the Mormon book, The History of the Church, the author reports that the Book of Mormon is more correct than the Bible. In fact, the authority of the Book of Mormon surpasses, it supersedes the authority of the Bible. You know, just like Islam, if you look at the religion of Islam, Mormonism claims to be the final and completed revelation of God. And, you know, this is all kind of questionable, if you ask me. You know, because God is unchanging, his standards of holiness and righteousness can't change. The Book of Mormon wasn't written by a prophet, it wasn't written by an apostle, and it wasn't written by an affiliate of an apostle. Joseph Smith claimed to have been a prophet, and there were claims by others, his followers, that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And some even said, you know, he performed miracles, as we learned in our previous lesson. But not one, not even one of the eyewitnesses were credible. Instead, uh, you know, when, when credible people got together, they signed a statement saying that he was known as a liar and somebody who was, you know, always stretching the truth. He was in trouble with the law. So, you know, and further, we know that, that Joseph Smith made contradictory revisions to the Book of Mormon. We talked about that in our last lesson, too. And uh, these were later corrected by Mormon editors. But the fact is, he made mistakes about, you know, the name of the angel who came to see him. The Bible has no revisions. And it was written by people who were directly commissioned by God to write it. And this is substantiated by both archaeological and forensic evidence, and this was affirmed by miracles, which were never denied by religiously neutral historians such as, you know, guys like Josephus. He was uh, he was an historian at the time. There is no archaeological evidence whatsoever to support or verify or substantiate the events told of by Joseph Smith, which led him to write the Book of Mormon. And so therefore, the Christian view that the Bible is the completed word of God, must prevail. And I don't think there's any question about that. But let's also talk about who God is. Uh, for the Christian, 
You know, the Christian would affirm that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He was created by nobody and nothing, and thus he has no beginning and no end. He is infinite, and he's eternal in his nature. And because he's infinite and eternal in his nature, he's unchanging. And that's because there is no potential in something that is infinite for change, because that change would have been actualized or exhausted at some point in the time span of infinity. And further, the Bible teaches that God is spirit, and this is something that the Christianity affirms. We find this in John chapter 4, verse 24. And as such, because he is spirit, he is aspatial. In other words, he, he doesn't consume any space. There's no space too big for him to fill, and no space too small for him to indwell. And that's because he is spirit. And further, there's only one God, in Christianity, who exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's one God consisting of one substance, one nature, and three persons. Of course, we call that the Trinity. Now, let's look at the, the view of God in Mormonism. For Mormonism, uh, according to the book Mormon Doctrine, God used to be a man on another planet, and this other planet was called Kolob. And who knows where that is? Who knows where Joseph Smith came up with that name? Uh, it's not a planet that I'm familiar with. But in the book titled Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, it's written that, quote, God himself was once as we are now and is an exalted man and sits enthroned in yonder heavens. We have imagined that God was God from all eternity. I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. So, uh, you know, obviously they don't believe that, that God has always been God. He was once a man. But how did he become God? He became God by following the laws and ordinances and being a good man on this other planet called Kolob. And this is affirmed in the fifth volume of a book by Joseph Smith titled Times and Seasons. Uh, and further, Mormonism asserts that God is not spirit, but that he is corporeal. He has a physical body. The Mormon book of Doctrine and Covenants reads, quote, The Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's. So he's not just spirit, he's also got flesh and bones just like you and I have. And further, the Trinity, for the Mormons, the Trinity consists of three separate gods. Three gods, three substances which is totally different from, from Christianity, which we just discussed. The Mormon articles of faith tell us that, quote, these three are separate individuals, physically distinct from each other, and that is demonstrated by the accepted records of divine dealings with man. The three distinct gods of Mormonism are not the only gods, however. Rather, Mormonism affirms that there are countless, myriad gods and goddesses, which renders Mormonism actually a, a polytheistic religion. Uh, the book titled Mormon Doctrine asserts that God is married to one of the goddesses and that they have spirit babies together. So, you know, when, when you look at the differences between Christianity and Mormonism, obviously the Christian view of God and the Mormon view of God are completely different. Christianity teaches that God is spirit. Mormonism teaches that God his flesh and bones. Christianity affirms that God is eternal and timeless. Mormonism affirms that God had a beginning and is therefore neither eternal nor timeless. Obviously, both views cannot be correct. The law of the excluded middle dictates that either God had a beginning or he did not. There's no third option. The Mormon view that one God begets another who begets another who begets another and so on and so forth 
you know, what is, what's this? You know, we've talked about this kind of thing before on, on these lessons. Uh, this leads to the fallacy of infinite regress. There logically must be a first cause, but Mormonism denies this implicitly. This is exactly where the Mormon view of God completely falls apart. And thus it's clear why the Mormon view of God is mistaken and has to be rejected. So the Christian view of God is is obviously more logical and, uh, you know, is the one that we would have to hold to. But let's not overlook uh, what they say about Jesus. You know, let's look at the Christian view of Jesus first. Jesus is God incarnate. And when, when we refer to Jesus being God incarnate, of course, that means we're saying that he is God in human flesh who lived a sinless life and he was crucified as a sacrifice for anyone who places their faith in him. He is our one mediator between us and God. He is both our high priest and our redeemer. He was not conceived by an act of sexual intercourse, but he was supernaturally conceived conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And Jesus was both 100% man and 100% God in his nature. Being 100% God in his nature, he is infinite and eternal in his being. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 tells us that all things were created both by him and for him. Obviously, it's logically impossible for Jesus to have been created and at the same time for all things to have been created by him. Jesus was not created in the womb of Mary. That's where he was conceived, but he was not created. That's because for Christianity, he is God. He is eternal and timeless just like the Father. Now, in Mormonism, Jesus was the very first spirit that God and his goddess wife created or gave birth to. Rather than being God incarnate, Jesus is the spirit brother of Satan. And in fact, all of us are their spirit siblings, and thus Jesus is not superior to us in his nature. And instead, you know, you could say that we are his spiritual equal, which is taught in the book of Mormon doctrine. Jesus was conceived through an act of sexual intercourse between God and Mary. Joseph F. Smith writes in Doctrines of Salvation that, quote, Christ was not begotten of Holy Ghost. Christ was begotten of God. He was not born without the aid of man, and that man was God. So what, what he's saying, in essence, is that God engaged in sexual intercourse with Mary and conceived of Jesus that way. Now, the Book of Mormon Doctrine tells us that, quote, Christ was begotten by an immortal father in the same way that mortal men are begotten by mortal fathers. Although he lived a perfect life, Jesus' sacrifice was not sufficient for the forgiveness of some sins, such as, uh, such as murder, for example. And further, faith in Jesus for the Mormon, faith in Jesus is insufficient for salvation. You know, and so when, when you tie this together, when you, when you contrast the Christian and the Mormon views of Jesus and who Jesus is, uh, obviously the Mormon view of Jesus is diametrically opposed to the Christian view of Jesus. Christianity teaches that Jesus was conceived supernaturally, whereas Mormonism asserts that Jesus was conceived naturally. But perhaps the, perhaps the most significant thing is that Christianity teaches that Jesus, as one of the three persons of the Trinity, one of the three persons of the Godhead, created all things. Yet Mormonism teaches that Jesus was created. And again, obviously, from a logical perspective, both can't be true. 
Jesus didn't claim to be merely a God. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the light. He substantiated his claims with miracles, which are recorded in the Christian Bible, such as uh, his bodily resurrection, which is corroborated by credible eyewitness testimony. And if, if you want to read more about that, you know, go to my recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org and look for the book called The Testimony of the Evangelist by Simon Greenleaf from the reading list. That's a, that's a great book about looking at the, the eyewitness testimony and determining whether it's credible or not. But the bottom line is that the Mormon Jesus is not the same Jesus who is professed by Christians. Thus, the Mormon view of Jesus falls short and, you know, again, has to be rejected. So if we're not saved by, uh, by faith in Christ, how are we saved? Well, you know, Christianity would say that salvation is through faith and by God's grace alone. John 3.16, you know, we all know that verse. It tells us that belief is the only requirement. Belief, meaning, uh, meaning faith, is the only requirement for receiving God's grace. And Romans 11.6 tells us that we're saved by grace. And reading from Romans eleven six here, it says, And if by grace, then it is no longer by works. For if it were, grace would no longer be grace. Christianity teaches that there are three separate stages of salvation. First, there is justification, which is an instantaneous act of, uh, you know, God declaring a person to be righteous at the moment they receive and accept the gospel. The second step is sanctification, which, unlike justification, is not just a, a one-step deal. It's not an act of declaring us righteous. Rather, it's the lifelong process by which God draws us closer to him in obedience. Justification is the act which legally gets us out of sin, and sanctification is the process through which God gets the sin out of us. The sixth chapter of Romans, uh, if you know, if, once we get to that in our Roman study, you will see that process. The whole sixth chapter of Romans is pretty much dealing with the issue of sanctification. We don't get more righteous through the process of sanctification. Instead, you might say that righteousness gets more of us. So the third and final step of salvation is glorification, in which we're given our perfect bodies, which are incapable of sinning. Justification saves us from the past penalty of sin. Sanctification saves us from the present power of sin. And glorification, which is going to come in the future, glorification will be the means by which God saves us from the future presence of sin. So that's the Christian view of salvation in a nutshell, trying to, trying to make that as brief for you as I possibly can. But looking at the Mormon view of salvation, starting with probably the, the most significant, the single most significant Mormon doctrine on salvation, the book titled uh, Mormon Doctrine teaches that, quote, if it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, there would be no salvation, for there is no salvation outside the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, unquote. So, you know, looking at that, therefore, um, you know, putting that in other words, uh, one must be a Mormon in order to receive salvation. Why? Because according to the Mormon book titled Doctrines of Salvation, one must believe that Joseph Smith is a prophet from God in order to receive salvation. Mormonism rejects the view of salvation by grace through faith. The Mormon book titled uh, Articles of Faith states, as these sins are the result of individual acts, it is just 
that forgiveness for them should be conditional on individual compliance with prescribed requirements, obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Again, that's from the Mormon Articles of Faith. This is also taught in the Book of Mormon. In the book of Second Nephi, we read, We know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do. That's chapter 25, verse 23. Mormon author Spencer Kimball writes, quote, One of the most fallacious doctrines originated by Satan and propounded by man is that man is saved alone by the grace of God, that belief in Jesus Christ alone is all that is needed for salvation. Did he just say that's a fallacious doctrine? He did. That's a Mormon author saying that belief in Jesus alone is not all that's required for salvation. And finally, Mormonism teaches that if you're a good enough Mormon, you can become a god. And, you know, that's that's a crazy belief. This is explicitly taught in the book called The Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. In the Mormon book titled Doctrines and Covenants, we read, quote, Then shall they be gods, because they have no end. Speaking of, of believers, good Mormons. Therefore they shall be from everlasting to everlasting, because they continue. Then they shall be above all, because all things are subject unto them. Then shall they be gods, because they have all power, and the angels are subject unto them. Wow. You know, the Bible teaches that salvation is a gift. As such, you know, salvation can't be earned. Because if salvation could be earned, then we couldn't really call it a gift. It wouldn't be a gift. It would be an award or it would be a wage. It would be something that we deserve because of things that we have done. And we've repeatedly taught time and time again in our in our Roman study that we're not saved by doing good works. We're saved in order that we can do good works. And further, you know, I have to ask something. What constitutes the Mormon ideology of a good work? Could I smile at a stranger and consider that to be a good work? What exactly is a good work? You know, there's really no answer to that because it would be arbitrary. And further, if a good work has a selfish motive, such as someday becoming a god, how can good works be the product of a bad motivation for doing good works? And finally, uh, you know, the lie that we can become gods as a result of something that we do sounds eerily similar to the words of a very certain serpent, uh, which were spoken in the Garden of Eden. You know, Christianity teaches that we have a fallen and sinful nature, but God can't have a fallen and sinful nature. And obviously, if we have a fallen and sinful nature, we can't be God. Taking all this into consideration, you know, not only does Mormonism show itself to be, you know, kind of a bunch of nonsense... But hopefully, uh, you know, we can all clearly see that Mormonism is not a Christian religion, despite the claims of Mormons to be Christian people. And of course, my prayer is that you can take this information and, you know, listen to it a few times and really get yourself familiar with what Mormons believe. Because, you know, if, if a Mormon were to come to your doorstep tomorrow, you need to know what they believe in order to, you know, confront them or in order to reach them with the real gospel. And that's something that we're going to be talking about next week. What do you say to a Mormon when they come to your doorstep? What do you say to a, to a friend of yours who's a Mormon who doesn't understand the difference between what you believe and they believe? So we'll talk about that next week. But uh, let's end this with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God, and we trust in you. We trust in your word, Lord, because you have shown it to be true time and time again. And we thank you and we praise you for that, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given it to us. And we thank you that it has been preserved over the years in order that we can study it and learn to know you. 
Father, we just pray that you would help us to learn about this this other religion that has a, a false and distorted view of you. And we ask, Lord, that you would enable us to reach them, that you would give us opportunities to reach them for your glory, Lord, because we love you and we want our light to shine for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. It's always such a blessing and and privilege to have you here listening. And I hope that this has been a blessing for you as well. I want to remind you to listen in tomorrow because I'm going to be doing just a short bit on, you know, what I, what I consider to be a a Christian perspective of, of Halloween. And uh, hopefully that'll be something that you guys are interested in. I also want to remind you that we are a listener supported ministry. We are a nonprofit corporation in the state of North Carolina. If you support us and if you support what we are doing, you can make a tax deductible donation to us. If that's what the Lord is leading you to do, just go to biblestudypodcasts.org and there's a support box on the right-hand side that you can click on and you can make your donation through PayPal or if you'd like to do it through mail, just email me and I'd be happy to to give you a physical mailing address. And of course, if you have any questions or concerns or comments or or anything, my email address is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. Well, thank you again so much for listening today. I will see you guys tomorrow, hopefully, and if not, then just hopefully soon. Keep growing closer to Jesus.